Loaded sport. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, God, <laughs> what a scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck the lot of you. <laughs> Tom Naylor's going to be the nailed on holding midfielder, so it's just too good. Unbelievable. Hello, and welcome to episode 77 of Loaded Sports. I'm with a little bit of a smile on the. Uh, what is it with. What is it? What there. is it when Ag does the intro, right? Every Dawson's single time, yeah. Every single time, I just want to go, oh! <laughs> when you do an intro, every time. <laughs> Anyway, start, on, mate. Yeah, you know, you're all right, mate. If you haven't noticed already, Skin is not with us. He's off sending himself up in a different country for the time being. Hopefully, we'll do him proud, especially me with the hosting duties in his absence. Uh, joining me still to go through a couple of questions that we've got all set up for this week. We'll start by introducing Sam. How has your week been? And of course, as Skin's brought in, what's the highlight of your week been? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm good, mate. I've uh, just, just discussing off air that uh, got a little bit of stomach trouble, so I think the highlight of my week was probably just evacuating my bowels and uh, <laughs> freeing free myself up. So yeah, that's uh, that's how we'll start the podcast today. We've already we've already lost control. Dawson's not here. We've gone wild already, so we're in for a good him. Gone rogue as we do. And uh, Kempi, how are you? How's your week been? And what's your highlight of the week been? Yeah, of course. Well, Mr. White, and of course, obviously, as always, man with the mic, the man of the hour again, who is too sweet to be sour. And when you're the most miserable fucker in the world, Sam, you know, they don't call you the most miserable fucker in the world. What do they call you? They call you Adam fucking Marsden. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, chaps. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. My highlight. Oh, God, I'm, I'm struggling to remember what I've fucking done for a start. I always do. Um, what have I done since last being on air? I'll tell you one highlight was the Chelsea City game. I think that was a pretty decent highlight. It was a pretty bit of a fucking mad game. Spurs with, uh, Spurs obviously had a, a game against Chelsea that was a bit nuts. And then Chelsea had a game against City again that was a bit nuts, end of 4-4. Um, that alongside probably five-a-side last night. Scored a few goals, apart from getting shin splints after the first 10 minutes. Um, I enjoyed it very much. So that's probably my highlight of the week whilst uh, whilst not recording. Adam, what about you, mate? Uh, my highlight has to be staying up until 20 to 1 in the morning to watch us get a late field goal against the Commanders when it looked like we were going into uh, overtime. So we managed to get the win Ooh. on the board. I've fucking sack all that off what I've just said. Forget fucking Chelsea. Forget all that shit. My highlight of the last week is you, you miserable bastard, thinking that you'd fucking beat me on Sunday, giving it fucking bigot. Oh, I beat Kemp. Oh, I'm going to have it. Oh, yeah, no problem. I'm going to beat Kemp and I'm happy with that. Fuck you. I woke up up morning with biggest smile on my face ever because you will never beat Saquon Squadron ever. And I am top and I am loving life in the Loaded Sport NFL Fantasy app. Carry you on. know, you know what I have noticed going through over the history of this? Um, my stats this season is that I've lost you all four times on the fantasy um app yes, for Loaded Sport. But now. in Swag as well, I lost you in that game by two points because Nick <laughs> Chubb snapped his knee, didn't he? And obviously went out for the rest of the season. So all through this season I've played you five times and I am 0-5 against you. So yeah, that's a bit of a a sick feeling for me at the moment. But yeah, no, well done on you. Sitting Another here with week. Feet up, mate. Sitting well, here with feet up, ready to go. There we go. But no, uh, my highlight's getting that win over the Commanders. Although I too played football yesterday and I think I'm done for the year now. I'll not be playing football till the new year. My knee is, is absolutely it? gone, yeah. Uh, funnily enough, the one that uh, caused the injury um, is Jack. 
Nice. Oh, nice. Oh, 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 oh. Get clumsy Jack. Oh, clumsy Jack, bless him. <laughs> Art of gold. As we know, the same team. No, 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 no. Not oh, all. All right, um, as all you right. know, 4G is very unforgiving at the best of times, but then I cleared the ball with my left foot and it completely wiped my right foot from below me. And as I landed <laughs> funny on my knee, it completely bust my knee up. So I'm done until well done, 2024 Jack. playing football. Well done, Jack. Uh, well done, Jack. Well played. I knew he'd get your approval. You already prefer him over me, so there we go. Um, just for that. Right, we'll move on to the questions, and I've spun the wheel. And, Kemp, it is you to get us underway. Right, OK. So, last week we had our favourite fighter of all time. We got some very varied fi- fighters and, and very different reasons as to why we thought they were our favourite fighters. And another question that I've been wanting to ask is very, very similar to that, um, but doesn't have to be the same answer. And it literally can't be the same answer altogether. And that question is, what is your favourite fight of all time? So it's not a fight card. It's not a fighter. It's not a fighter's career. It is a one singular fight. And uh, Adam, seeing as though your your fight knowledge is probably not as as close to uh, to, to perfection as mine and Sam's, um, what's your favourite fight of all time? My favourite fight of all time, having only watched a, a handful of matches throughout my, my life, I'm going to go with McGregor against Mayweather. I feel like this is maybe even an easy answer or even a boring answer to go for, but it was the first fight, to my knowledge, that saw somebody cross over into boxing from um, the uh, the UFC. I may be wrong. You're probably going to tell me I am wrong. I I'm just trying to think back to be fair. <laughs> on that on that level, yeah, yeah, there was okay. never anything like it before. Before that, yeah, um, I enjoyed the build up for it. I genuinely felt hyped for the for the fight and it's not something I'd felt for quite a while because I'd stopped watching it there was uh, obviously like I say time at uni when I were watching it <laughs> afterwards I'd stopped and I'd been invited around to go and watch this fight and I thought you know what why not let's let's go and see what it's all about I'd watched all the build up and I felt really up for the hype I was part of the team Mayweather I thought that he was going to get the win somebody doesn't go undefeated for that amount of time and then lose to somebody that's switching over into boxing was my understanding Sam's laughing because I'm trying to make it sound like I actually know what I'm talking about imagine that Greg's little TB cap on team team Mayweather fucking I gold him one at belts do you not see it all over social media either team Mayweather or team McGregor yeah, but everyone knew going into it there were only going to be one winner. Um, See, well, you say no, that. No, so. I knew a lot you of people that, that thought But I'm, I knew some people that thought... Oh, my God. That's yeah. ridiculous. Which is, which is crazy. Like ridiculous. I was a massive, massive kind of fan. Last week, I said he was my favourite fighter of all time, for God's sake. But, yeah, going into that fight, I was like, listen. Yeah. Oh, one of the best pound-for-pound fighters <laughs> of all time. Listen. Listen. It's not happening. Uh. But anyway... Carry on, is, is that is that at the same level with him discovering Gabriel Jesus? Yeah, it's, it's it's close, it's close. Maybe not <laughs> quite, but it's not far behind. He, he made it sound like he went out on a limb to back Mayweather. I went against the majority, against the grain, and I went with Mayweather despite what yeah. everyone else was saying. Went for um, the favourite. <laughs> well done, you stuck in there. Well done, you stuck to your principles. I uh, I got the right round as well, so I'm happy with that. Won my oh, bet. That's quite good. That's um, good. But yeah, that was nothing more than a fluke. But yeah, no, I enjoyed that fight. I enjoyed the build-up. So for me, it's McGregor Mayweather. Very good, very good. And to be fair, it's you know from a non-fight fan, it's it's not a bad answer. For a spectacle, been, pure spectacle. Oh, absolutely. There could have been many, many worse answers. So I mean, that just speaks to the star power of of Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, right? That I have not watched any type of combat sports for a long, oh. long time, and then randomly gets invested in this Dragged fight. Him in. And, 
dragged him back in. Yeah. And the, the scope of, you know, everybody saying that McGregor were going to win, that just, just drew, drew, drew him back into boxing, didn't it? Bless him. And he went against the grain and he got it right. Bless him. So there just, you go. Uh, just on the back of that question, uh, just a quick question, obviously, with, with it being that crossover event dra- dragging you in, uh, did did that the, the, the same thing happen with the Fury and Garnu fight? Did, with it being the same crossover, same sport? Did, did you watch that for the same reason, same hype? I didn't actually watch that fight at all, no. It, it didn't kind of attract the same sort of attention from me. I feel like having spent time with you two on this podcast and Kempis Combat Corner, I've started to gain a bit more interest back into the, the combat world. And on Friday night, I messaged you both saying that I was watching mm. um, Harlem uh, Eubanks fight and I saw yeah. his win. So I'm starting to get back into it, bits and bobs. But yeah, I'm hoping to, uh, throughout the next couple of months, get more into it. But no, it didn't attract my attention. Fair enough. Maybe Neff. Sam, on to you. Yeah, and I always start these segments with saying I struggle with this, and I did struggle with this again. Um, <laughs> I had a good think, and as I've stated on the podcast before, my, I'm, I, my boxing experience isn't nowhere near as long as yours, longevity-wise following the sport. So again, I will only ever go by what I witness and, and what I can comment on. I, I won't really tend to go back on older fights because I didn't watch it live. So I kind of, I always think that kind of takes the edge off it a little bit. Um, so I've gone Fury Wilder two, right? Mm. And Fury Wilder two, the reason why it's my favourite fight is because I have always had a soft spot for Tyson Fury. I know he's a twat. I know he's one of the main crooks. Is why the heavyweight division is in a mess, but he's. God, he's so charismatic, and every you know he, he, when he, when he's doing a conference, everyone wants to see it. Everyone wants to see what he's up to next, and and he's just one of them boxers. It's must watch boxing, and the first fight we all know he got absolutely robbed with a draw. Um, he got put down. He got come back up. I mean, the the, the get the get up. Obviously, the referee they say he counted should have counted twelve, and really it it, it should have been no, called. Which so so that that argument is bullshit. It's bullshit all the way around because it's not. It's not 10 seconds. People still think, you know, it's 10 seconds, you get 10 seconds. It's not. It's the referee's count of 10. That is the rule. Really? So if you're, so, yeah, absolutely. So if the if the opponent is standing over you, remember Muhammad Ali and a few of his knockouts where he's, he's knocked him out and he stands over him like that or something like that, the referee will push him to a neutral corner, get to the neutral corner. As soon as you get to the neutral corner, I can start counting. But until then, I ain't counting shit. Right. So, I, I don't if you remember, but when Wilder knocked him down, he started going like that and started messing yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, won it. The reason that the referee didn't start counting immediately is because he had to say, "Wilder, get to your neutral corner." If Wilder would have ran straight to the neutral corner and done fuck all else, he may have counted Fury ten. However, it is the referee's count of ten; it is not ten seconds. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely not argue with that. So it's, uh, that's debunked that straight away. Uh, so anyway, off the back of the the controversy regarding the first fight, we all knew he, he outboxed him clearly in, in many of the other rounds where he wasn't put down on. Uh, so he come back with this fight with a bit of a chip on his shoulder at the uh, the MGM Grand uh, in Gardens in in Las Vegas, and a venue that I can say I've actually been there myself. It wasn't to it wasn't to watch a boxing event. It was literally just to walk through it to say I've been in it. it we're, we're walking down the Las Vegas Strip and we was walking towards the Bellagio Strip, which is like the other end. We'd stayed in the Luxor Casino. We're staying there for the night, the Pyramid, uh, and yeah. the Bellagio is the, the opposite end. So obviously we walk the strip. 
the fucking strip is way longer than you think, by the way. So we're a fucking rate good walk and it'll freeze in. And we're like crossing all these iconic uh, hotels and casinos. And then we got got to the big green MGM Grand with gold writing. I thought, I've got to end up in here. So we had a quick walk through lobby and, that, and I had a look. And I, I, I think I got a glimpse of where the fights are fought. But obviously there were no boxing ring or anything. It was just a, like a conference room. So I'm pretty sure that was the room. But just see it. So I can say my claim to fame, I have been in that room. Um, yeah, seventh round TKO. Tyson Fury, he just come out and he just absolutely outboxed him from round one to round seven. I don't even, I don't think he even won a single round, uh, Deontay Wilder. Um, so yeah, for, for me, it was that fight. It was just the fact that Fury went in there with a point to prove, and I think it was kind of that fight for me that that put him number one in the heavyweight division. I think everyone kind of took notice and thought, "Hang on a minute, this guy is fucking unbelievable. He, he can box when you know when." It, and, and you know what? And it's not just one sided. I think Wilder needs massive props for this fight because his chin was fucking unbelievable. The amount of punishment he took, particularly I think at five, six and seven round before it got, got waved off, it, it, it looked like he went there half the time and it looked like the off, off button had been caught about four times and you think, he's, well, this is where he's going, he's going. And he just managed to stay on his feet and I don't know how he did it. So yeah, props to props to Wilder um, because he, were, he had an unbelievable chin. But but Fiore for me just stepped up his game for, even from the first fight, which I, I think he should have won, and uh, and, he, and he really stamped his claim on that uh, on that heavyweight division. So Fiore Wilder two for me is is uh, my personal favourite fight. However, I will do an honourable mention of. Um, of Kieran by Kieran Dyer and Lee Bowyer. <laughs> 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 yeah, you've got to. Yeah, you've yeah. absolutely got to. Yeah, there's there's no question about that. Kieran Dyer, Lee Bowyer, Newcastle getting separated by Gareth Barry and <laughs> <Barry> Aston <laughs> Villa. Not even, on, not even on their team. That that probably for me is my, my favourite fight of that's, all time. That's, but... that's a big wally, that is. That what is are they massive, fucking massive doing? Wally. And then Barry I always I always remember the uh, the press conference after when Graham Soonis was manager. He got he got him sat. <laughs> Side of him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> answering to media, that, that like fucking school kids, yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> that. So, God so bless I, I'm getting honorable mention to, to Bowie and Dyer, so uh, yeah, yeah, that but but yeah, Wilder, Wilder Fury <laughs> in, in serious terms would, would be my greatest, uh, greatest combat fight of all time, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely fair enough, and like you just said there. I think that was Fury's not breakout performance because I think his breakout performance was probably against Vladimir Klitschko. Klitschko. Yeah, but actually the performance that made everybody th- realize actually this is a different level of heavyweight, yeah. and I don't think we'd seen that level of he- heavyweight maybe until Alexander Usyk <laughs> came to the heavyweight division, and that's what makes it so interesting about the unified fight, fight that's taking place. Uh, allegedly Touchwood in February. So uh, we'll, we'll see if that does go ahead. But yeah, completely agree with you. That's that's a fight where I sort of stood up, took notice and said, yeah, Tyson Fury is, is probably the best, the best heavyweight um, in the world at this point in time. And I think what's important to mention as well is that he changed up his entire game. You know, Tyson Fury's always been an unbelievably slick boxer, moves like a middleweight, um, danced around Klitschko, which is, you know, people thought that that couldn't be done. Um, but before that second Wilder fight, he knew that, you know, he needed to do something different than he did in the first fight because even though he won, he didn't get the decision. And he knew that really, if he wanted to de- de- definitively beat Wilder, um, he needed to knock him out. So he moved his training camp, he moved over to uh, to, to Kronk, 
um, the Cronk Gym, the famous Cronk Gym with the uh, with Sugar Hill Stewart, um, the, the, the nephew of Emmanuel Stewart, the former trainer of Vladimir Klitschko, as it happens, who who died not so long ago. Um, but yeah, Sugar Hill Stewart took him on that Cronk style, moving forward and and not taking his foot off the gas. And it turns out that, that was the way to beat Deontay Wilder. I think Wilder gets his power from from closing you down and, and really landing on you. Whereas I think if you put him under pressure and put him on the back foot, as we saw in that second fight, it got fuck all. So uh, yeah, an unbelievably dominating performance from Fury, and um, and what a result it was, and what a fight it was, Sam. So no disgrace whatsoever um, in that fight at all. Um, my favourite fight of all time is not boxing. Uh, you, you both chosen boxing. I'm glad I've gone MMA now. Something a little bit different is Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald. The rematch at UFC 189. The same card that Conor McGregor first won his interim featherweight championship from Chad Money Mendez. The co-main event was Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald, um, and it was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. It was nip and tuck. It was back and forth. It was an absolute war. Um, and there's a, a picture, I don't know if, if you boys have seen it, but we, I might insist that this goes somewhere on the logo for this week's episode because it's just the most unbelievable picture you've ever seen. And after the fourth round where they've been knocking seven shades of shit out of each other, um, instead of going back to the cage and sitting on the stool, they both just stand in the middle of the cage staring at each other and they don't fucking move. And the referee literally has to push them away from each other because they will not fucking move. It ended in the fifth round with Robbie Lawler winning by TKO. Um, and it wasn't a TKO where he, he knocked... Rory McDonald out cold or anything like that. Um, Rory McDonald's nose and his face was so smashed up and broken that Lawler caught him with the right hand. And and you see McDonald sort of touch his nose and then he just sort of fucking falls away and doesn't he just he just can't take the pain anymore. Um what an unbelievable fight from two of the best welterweights of that generation. Um and yeah, it's it goes down in in UFC and MMA folklore for that exact reason. So, my favorite fight of all time is Rory McDonald against uh, against Robbie Lawler. The second fight, there are some honourable mentions in there. Um, AJ Klitschko, I thought was a really really good fight, just for the occasion more than anything else. Diego Sanchez versus Gilbert Melendez. Ag Sam, if you've got 10, 15 minutes, please please YouTube Diego Sanchez versus Gilbert Melendez. Fucking hell. You will never see two bigger donkeys in your entire life. And I'm 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 there for it. Um yeah, so some real honorable benches there, but I think it, it wouldn't be right to 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 say that my favorite fight of all time is anything apart from UFC 189, uh Robbie Lola versus Rory McDonald too. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, some very uh, very strong answers. Um I'll move on to uh, my question next, which was the next out on the wheel, which is your favorite sports commentator. So not just limited to football or for the NFL, just any sports commentator. Sam, we'll start with you. Yeah, for me, this was, I didn't, this is, I said the last one, I normally have to say I'm struggling, I'm thinking, and this one was a complete opposite. No brainer. There's only one guy for me that, uh, that, that gets this award, and it has to be the legendary former ITV commentator, Clive Tildesley. Unbelievable, unbelievable commentator. Uh, the voice of Champions League nights and England internationals for many a year, obviously when England was on ITV. I know, obviously, your boy Motti did a lot of the, obviously the BBC back in the day. But uh, obviously, whenever England were on ITV, he was the man that was going to get. He had a lot of dubious, uh, he had to put a lot of his shit, uh, a lot of dubious um, co-commentators over the time. I mean, I'm trying to think now off the top of my head. I think we had uh, Mark Lawrenson for quite some time. Um, I think... Um, 
Is, is surely, that all? surely Lee Dixon put his head up there, or will he BBC? <laughs> no, Lee Dixon, yeah. I think Lee Dixon's yeah. still ITV now, to be fair. He's, he's uh, saddled with Matterface now, isn't he? But, um, yeah, Clive Tilsley, for me, um, just an iconic voice of, of my childhood. And, obviously, I always think back to, obviously, one of the most iconic footballer moments of the treble. I know Dawson would like me to mention this. Obviously, he was the voice of the, uh, the United... Uh, by Munich final to get the treble and just that them them couple of lines he delivered after the after the the, the second goal that went in just United have reached the promised land and and all them all that goes with it just yeah for me Clive Tilsley for me it's an absolute no brainer this is probably the easiest question I've ever had to answer since we started doing this format uh, and he would be without a doubt my number one yeah fair enough Camp uh, we'll move on to yours next. Yeah, fair enough, indeed. And I've not gone for football, I've not gone for NFL, I've not gone for anything like that. I am sticking, unfortunately, with MMA, unfortunately or unfortunately, whichever way you look at it. Um, and, and there was a few, to be fair, I was very tempted to say a name that you might be aware of, Aggie, Mauro Ronaldo. Um, not for his work in, in WWE, you won't be surprised to hear, but for his, his work um, in Strikeforce, I think it was, in Bellator as well, uh, commentating on MMA. Um, and he's also done a little bit of influencer boxing as well, which was uh, which was quite funny. When, if you remember when he had Snoop Dogg on Co-Coms and Snoop Dogg started singing hymns when Jake Paul knocked out Nate Robinson. <laughs> if you've not seen that, boys, I'll send you a link of it because it's fucking hilarious. But uh, yeah, um, I think my favourite... Uh, commentator was close to being Mauro Ronaldo, but unfortunately, in the end, it was the voice of the UFC, arguably over the last fifteen or twenty years, and that is Mr. Joe Rogan. Um, he, he, initially, with Mike Goldberg and, and maybe even somebody else before him on co-commentary duty, um, I've gone with a color commentator, which I'm I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that's gone with a color commentator rather than a play-by-play commentator. Um, but but Joe Rogan's knowledge of jujitsu with with taekwondo, kickboxing, it makes him a very very well-rounded and 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 very well. Um, practiced and 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 a very well qualified MMA commentator, I would say, or co-commentator. I think at the minute now with John Anik and Daniel Cormier for the most part, and that's how it was last weekend at UFC 295. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of John Anik. Daniel Cormier can be questionable at times, but I think when Joe Rogan is in there, I think he's the glue that holds it all together. Um, and his insight into MMA, the, the the knowledge that he's got on MMA fighters, he knows every single fighter, he knows what the special specialties are, he knows what the records are. And he's such a pivotal part of the UFC and MMA himself. Um, and I'm sure he will go down in, in history and also will go into the UFC Hall of Fame when all is said and done. So, yeah, for me, it was a pretty pretty easy answer, to be fair, even though there are some fantastic commentators across the business. Peter Drury being one of them, honourable mention, is unbelievable. And you mentioned there, Clyde Tilsley, some of Clyde Tilsley's lines in the past. You know, Peter Drury, I would say, is the modern-day version of that. Um, but, yeah, I can't look any further away than Joe Rogan, who's helped build such a new sport to such heights after such a short period of time. Um, the UFC is 30 years old as a company and it's fucking huge. And and I think Joe Rogan's a massive, massive part of that. So yeah, easy one for me. Favourite sports commentator of all time is Mr. Joe Rogan. You know, uh, you know someone's charismatic and, and just likeable when you don't even need to care about the sport to, to, 
like what he has to say, and that's that's me. That's that's my experience. I absolutely love Joe Rogan. I love his love his podcast. I'm always on TikTok watching his clips, and everything he does, I find fascinating. I find him so the content is so engaging to watch. The guests he have on is brilliant. And as I say, you know me, I I do not watch MMA in the slightest. I don't think I've ever even seen a fight where he's commentating on. So that that just shows how much I've never seen him part of the sport. But just just him as a personality. Absolutely love him, and yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100. percent He's is so yeah. enigmatic and charismatic on him um, on his podcast, especially when he gets uh, Theo Von on, and then Pear get going. It's <laughs> absolutely, it's an absolute fucking riot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and, and, and and there have been times in the UFC where something's happened, and Joe's lost his mind and like pissed himself like he did when Theo Von's there. <laughs> Like when uh, Nick Diaz fought Anderson Silver, I don't know if you've seen the picture, but Nick Diaz laid on the canvas like that. And Joe Rogan started pissing himself and smashing his hands on the desk. <laughs> unbelievable moment. But but yeah, I mean, like you say there, that that level of knowledge that he's got and he brings to his podcast and he, and he asks questions and stuff, he brings that to the UFC desk as well. And and when something crazy happens, he goes, ah, oh, it screams and everybody <laughs> yeah. gets so excited. And that's and I, I do that now because Joe Rogan does that. So yeah, it's uh, it, it, it completes the sport for me. And when I know you, when Joe Rogan's on the desk, I know I'm going to have a, a, an entertaining experience watching the fights, no matter what happens. Yeah, very good answer. And I'm glad you went away from uh, football because I'm going to bring it straight back to football with an answer that you both probably already predicted. And I'm going to go with uh, John Motson. Um, the reason why I got into football commentary, one of the reasons that I really enjoyed watching the football, I know it sounds weird to say that there's so many people that are against and, and don't like the work that John Motson has done in the past. I didn't really know many too many of those people till uh, I got to know you guys. <laughs> uh, there are some out there though that don't like John Motson's work and it was surprising Fucking to me useless. because when I've See, when I've listened to him, I've been a huge fan and, you know, I've listened to his tapes and I'm reading his book now and, you know, listening back on YouTube, things like that. There were some very good lines similar to what Clive Tilley's come out with in the past where, you know, it's kind of like peaked football for me. And I think he at one point was the undisputed voice of English football, wasn't he? Especially for the BBC, yeah. like you say, in, in World Cup, he was uh, covering England. So, yeah, for me, it's John Motson. I remember hearing a lot about how we got into the sport. And I know I've told you guys off, off the podcast before that when I listened to those, I thought, you know what, this would be an incredible career path. And it's something I've aimed towards. And I've, I've looked and watched like BBC documentaries on the amount of effort that he put into it. That's not saying that other commentators, like Kemp said, Peter Drury now at the moment is like the modern day top commentator for me in, in the world uh, for football. But the amount of effort and research that went into him just doing a match for a weekend, even just for match of the day, you know, one highlights the couple of, it's only, what, a two, three, sometimes four-minute snippet of the game. And he'll be sat there, you know, spending hours upon hours for this research to make sure it sounded exactly what it needed to do. The stats was there. So the effort that he put in, the outcome of it, for me, it was John Motson as an all-round commentator. Um, it was, it was my favourite. But yeah, before Kemp uh, mentioned it, I got in my head that I was going to give an honorary mention to uh, Peter Drury. Yeah, I think you've got to, right? I think the way that the game is at the moment and yeah, you've got those legendary figures like Clyde Tilsley that do still do a little bit of commentary and stuff like that. But Martin Tyler towards the end of the Sky Sports era, oh my God, it was fucking painful, weren't it, to listen to him. And I'm so glad that they made that change. Um, but for me, yeah, if it weren't Joe Rogan, it would definitely be Peter Drury and he deserves a massive mention because he's he's now, I think, the the you know the biggest voice on Sky Sports, especially for football. Yeah. And I Absolutely. think he fucking deserves it, to be fair. But 
I, I do take the piss out of Motson and and I, I I I didn't like his commentary. I really didn't. Like I used to think he was so fucking boring and one tone. It was terrible. And I'll always remember this game. I think it was when we went out of the Euro qualifiers with McLaren. Do you remember? And I think he was commentating on a game. And and every five minutes he'd say, and as it stands, England are going out. And as it stands, yes, yes, you remember I'm, that. I'm, I'm so you glad. Remember that? Yes, I'm so glad you've said that because there's been something in my head that I've not been able to like, piece together. Like two minutes into the game, as it stands, England are going out. Three yes, game, as it stands, England are going out. And I'm like, Motson, shut the fuck up. We don't Honestly, it's fucking negative energy right now. It's that I, I, I've, I've going mentioned. Out. I, I've mentioned to you before, if you remember, I've said to you, he seemed to thrive and love it when England were behind. He seemed to love it, and it like. It, Every time it was like an underdog had score and England were behind. As an Englishman, you're thinking, fuck me. He's an Englishman. I know he's got a commentary, he's got a scene bias, but he fucking loved it. He like, stood there with the fucking shades off, going mad or something like that. That's the thing. In, in international football, when it's your own coverage, you don't have to be unbiased. Yeah, you can be That's the one time where you yeah. don't have to be unbiased. Oh, I, I didn't even know that, but yeah, hey, I'm, glad, that I'm so glad you've said that. Commentating football where you don't have to be unbiased. I'm, I'm so, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you said that as it stands. Always. It's fucking and that's the one worse. Time, and that's the one time that he was fucking biased when it was. <laughs> really. Yeah, he, he loved but it. He absolutely say, loved it. But I will say for John Motson, though, he did pave the way for a lot of modern day commentators. I will say that in terms of research and stuff like that, from what I've seen, from what I've read, before Motson, like the commentators, before Motson and Martin Tyler, who, again, in my opinion, were never very good commentators themselves. But in terms of the in terms of the, the the prep and the research and the knowledge of players, I think that sort of era did take it to the next level for your, your Clad Tilsley, your Peter Drury's, for those sort of commentators that came maybe slightly after them. Um, they kind of took that and and they've kind of improved it. So I will give Motson his flowers for that. But apart from that, Ag, it's a very bad shout in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can I can appreciate your opinion, even though I disagree with it. Right, we'll move on to the final question then, Sam. What have you got for us? Final question is, who is the most underrated sports person of all time? Um, and I'm going to break the uh, break the pattern this time. I'm going to answer this one first. Um, and I'm going to jump straight in with Sir Andy Murray, the, um, the, the tennis great. Yeah, you can say, obviously, you might say he's not underrated. He obviously is a knight of the realm. But you just have to say, if he was playing tennis in an, any other era other than the one he's been playing at, he would have absolutely cleaned up his, um, I won't say his division then, like a boxer, but uh, he would have absolutely cleaned up on on, on his Grand, grand Slams. He, uh, he did get three Grand Slams himself, which someone of his ability, I personally think he, it should be a whole lot more. You look at the likes of Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, they've all got double figures, you know, Uh, Aggie, can you hear Sam? Nope, Sam, you've gone. Sam, you've gone, unfortunately. You're in your pump and you, your audio has completely gone. Yeah, you've gone. <laughs> you've absolutely gone. So yeah. while you get that... Sorry, speak. Speak now. Oh, back. You're back. There you go. Hey, good. There we go. <laughs> hey, what, what were I saying? <laughs> uh, any other era. Andy Murray wouldn't fucking hell. <laughs> that was way back. That is, uh, yeah. I was saying any other era, Andy Murray would have would have cleaned house. Um, 
And yeah, it, it finished on three grand slams in the end. I know he's still going now, but I cannot. I don't think anyone really can see him getting back to what what he um, what he used to be. Uh, you look at the likes of Djokovic, Nadal, Murray, Nadal, and Federer. Them them are always like in double figures. I think. Well, I can't I can't even get it in front of me. But uh, yeah, they, they had so many different titles, and he, and he only had three himself. But um, two of them obviously coming at Wimbledon. Um, 46 singles titles and I think probably the two most I'd say impressive are the two Olympic gold medals I think for me I think that they are you know they, they really stamp someone's um, ability on the game British, Britain's most successful tennis player ever and I just can't help but think that if Nadal, Federer and Djokovic wasn't he wasn't playing in their era. I think he'd be looking at, you know, one of the great greatest tennis players of all time. But because he was always in their shadow, either one of them three are, you know, going to go down in the Tennis Hall of Fame as a great. But I think himself, um, I think you were a bit unlucky to be uh, to be born as part of their generation because uh, he, he was a hell of a tennis player. Um, so that would be that would be my answer. And <clears throat> I, if anyone's got anything to add to that, I will uh, I will jump straight to you, Aggie. I, I'm i going to steal one of your lines here, if I found this one very difficult to answer. And it took me a while to come up with just one final answer. And I've gone for the one that I came up with first before I thought outside the box. So I've looked into Formula One. I thought of Felipe Massa, who was always there or thereabouts for the championships. And I think was usually overlooked to the likes of Schumacher and Alonso. So Massa was on my radar. In terms of football, I thought Shea Gibbon. I felt he was very good at Newcastle when he went to Manchester City and eventually Aston Villa. He was still a very good goalkeeper, but was often overlooked in the Premier League based upon, you know, Yusha Michaels, David Siemens, those kind of goalkeepers. But the one I'm going to go with is somebody that I've mentioned on a couple of occasions when we've discussed um, best England players and, and that kind of stuff, and that's Paul Scholes. I feel that even during his times at, at um on England duty especially, actually, I felt that he was often overlooked due to the likes of Gerard and Lampard. I feel like in terms of Premier League best teams, he's often overlooked. He doesn't get into those teams. And I feel like he was just one of those players that could enter into a game in the 60th minute and turn the game around from midfield. And I feel like he was a standout performer, but was often overlooked, overshadowed and underrated. Um. Yeah, so... If you had have started that conversation with Paul Scholes and then gone into his club performance, I would have probably argued against it. And I'd probably say, I don't think he's that underrated. I think I think he gets his flowers. He's won so many different awards. He is, is obviously, I think he's in the Premier League Hall of Fame, the newly established Hall of Fame. But the fact that he did start with England, I will I will give you credit there because I do completely agree. For England, he was massively, massively disrespected and underrated. I think... Sven needs a fucking got a lot to answer for to, to for sticking him out on the left wing. I think if you you, you should have built that entire team around him, uh, played Gerard and Lampard out of position. They're both forward players. You could probably make it work. He didn't out, need like. to though, did he? He didn't even need to. No, he played a four three three. Yeah, but as as English football in the two thousands, it was four four rigid, rigid, <clears throat> so fucking rigid. Whereas he could have just played a four four two. Yeah, or he could absolutely. play four two three one. He could have put Gerard and Lampard defensive midfield on the pivot, and then he could have put Scholes behind striker. Mm, but, yeah, I'd personally drop Scholes a bit deeper myself, but yeah, either either or whichever. Yeah, you still you still find a way to get them central one year, but um, yeah. that's that's definitely a failing on Sven more than anything, um, and obviously he retired from England very early in in his uh, in his actual career. So I can't blame him for that. Why wouldn't you if you're not getting the best out of yourself? 
so yeah, I do completely agree that it was massively, massively underrated for his country. I wouldn't say so for United personally. I think I think he's it, it's got all the plaudits and I think he's got a lot of the credit. But yeah, hundred percent. The fact that you did start with England, uh, I'll uh, I'll allow it, pal. Yeah, I think I completely agree with that, to be fair. When you first said Paul's goals, I was just about to fucking rip into you. Because, yeah, he, he is lauded as one of the best players to ever play in the Premier League, most definitely. So in terms of his club side of his career, I, I, I couldn't disagree with you more. I, I don't think he's been underrated at all. Um, I don't think he's been overrated, but I don't think he's been underrated. I think it's quite fair. But with the international scene, like you that said there, Sam, you hit the nail on the head, and so did you, Ag. Um, the disrespect that Skull's got in the fucking England side is absolutely criminal. So if if I'm sure if we could have Paul Skulls again, I'm sure the same thing wouldn't happen again. Well, say that, but with this fucking numpteen charge, you'd probably leave him at home anyway, wouldn't uh, they? So well. I think uh, I, I should have probably just added an honourable mention to to mine as well. I'm just going to drop an honourable mention of Park Ji Sung. I think of oh. um, the king of <laughs> unsung heroes, Park Ji Sung. I I always remember. I know this is one of Dawson's favourite Park <laughs> Ji Sung stories. Um, when uh, United were playing, I think it was AC Milan. It was either AC Milan or Juventus. So it was whenever Juventus. Yeah, it was whenever Pirlo was playing for either one of them, and it was at that it was at the peak of his game. And they just said to he just said to him, just go and fucking sit on. Pirlo all game 90 minutes I don't want you to do anything else just, just make sure yeah. you're you're within him and Pirlo you didn't even know what pitch for fucking 90 no. minutes he was like probably the best centre midfielder in the world at that time especially yeah. at his passing range and uh, and Fergie I, I identified him as being every time he got the ball one touch and then some one of their strikers were in a goal and it, it just completely nullified their entire attack for 90 minutes so Paul yeah. Sung does get an honourable mention as and well on, and on top of that I don't know if you remember but in the I don't know if it's 2009 or 2011 Champions League final against Barcelona. Alex Ferguson's big regret, regret. To bring on Brock G. Sung to Mark Messi. 100%. And you know what? I believe he would have done a job I believe, as well. I believe it. 100%. Fully, fully, 100%. fully believe it. I'm invested. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Industrious. Industrious. Yeah, that's that's the term. That's the term. Absolutely, do it. It's a similar sort of vein as uh, Dirk Kaus as Liverpool. Like right? just fucking yeah. pure grafter, sweaty, yeah. horrible, not very nice to look yeah. at. But they just fucking no flair, no flair, no flair. gritty Zero flair out of twenty. Zero yeah. flair. But you can't, yeah. you can't be him. You, you, you think the die, they're a dying breed, aren't they? Really, they, they the state age. You, you don't really they see are. many of them sort of players these days. But you don't. yeah, they're sorely missed. They're sorely missed. But I mean, in today's football, you know, that's one player on on pitch that is doing one job, and then you know, it, it probably opened up so many gaps on the rest of the maybe, pitch. Maybe modern day football with tactics these days, you probably probably like to say he's a dying breed. But very, very good honourable mention there, Sam. Fair play to you. I think that's uh, I think that's about us done, Aggie. Isn't it? That's been a nice, uh, nice short episode for once. Oh, yeah, uh... Kempy's underrated sports person. Fucking hell, I've clipped it. it. I'll just, just <laughs> sign myself off. See you later, chaps. I'm so sorry. Fucking hell, that's biggest what by doing, isn't it? He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> no, I, sorry, I, mate. I'm gonna Fuck get it it up. And it's understandable as to why you, you didn't, you forgot about me because, because I was terribly prepared for this question. I thought I'd answered it and then I realised at the start of the episode that I'd not answered it. So I had to think about it. And all three of my answers today are going to be combat sports based. Keep it in Kempi's combat corner uh, after the unbelievable event that was UFC 295. I've gone with a boxer. And this boxer's name is Andre Michael Ward. Now, Aggie, have you ever even heard of Andre Ward? Nope. Sam, have you heard of Andre Ward? Name rings a bell, but I can't 
I can't put anything to it. I'm just quickly googling him now as I say it. Yeah. So <laughs> so I'm I'm so glad either of you know where they are because this backs up my point amazingly, perfectly actually. 2004 light heavyweight gold medalist at the Olympics in Athens retired as the what did he retire as the WBA, IBF, and WBO light heavyweight champion, and obviously won the ring magazine belt in his last fight as well. Um, yeah, that's right, the vacant ring magazine belt. Um, 32 victories, zero defeats, 16 wins coming by way of knockout, 15 by decision, and one by disqualification, with names on his record such as Sergei Kovalev, um, Chad Dawson, Carl Froch. Nice. A- I love him Arthur- already. I love I'm all in on him. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Abraham, Mikel Kessler. Um, the list goes on and on of, of, of world-class opponents that Andre Ward beat in his time um, reigning over the light heavyweight division and the super middleweight division as well. Uh, 39 years of age now, retired actually really, very young. He retired in 2017. Um, and obviously, like I say, he's 39 now. So that'll be early, mid-30s that he retired at. Um, and, and he retired, like I say, with an undefeated record, world championships in multiple weight divisions um, and Olympic gold medal. And I'm not saying by any means that he was the greatest boxer of all time. He's one of the greatest light heavyweights, I'd say, of all time. Most definitely, and it's comfortable to say that. But the reason I've got him as the most underrated uh, sports person of all time is because I know you're not a massive combat sports fan, you know, Aggie, and I know you're not a, a huge boxing fan, I'd probably say in 2017, Sam. But, you know, if, if somebody's got world titles across two different weight divisions, an Olympic yeah. gold medal, and an undefeated career, you, you might have think you'd have probably heard of him. Yeah, definitely. But with Andre Ward, you didn't. It wasn't the most charismatic on the mic. His fighting style wasn't the most entertaining. But ultimately, he did beat pretty much every single top contender in the division that he fought at uh, most of the time. And, and he won all of his fights, like I say, and, and didn't really look, apart from in the first Kovalev fight, from what I can remember, didn't really look like he was in trouble of losing that undefeated streak. So for me... I'm going to go with Andre Ward. I think he's the most underrated sports person of all time. And unfortunately enough, you two not knowing who he is, back to my point perfectly. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, well, to say uh, you'd come not very, quite ill-prepared for, for mine, I think you've, you've probably picked out one of the best answers of the bunch. So uh, thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thank you for asking. It's a good question. And I'm, I'm, I'm kicking myself for not being a bit more prepared. But Andre Ward has dug me out a little bit. So fair play to him. Now he's 33 and 0 rather than 32 and 0. <laughs> That's it, Aggie. Wrap us up, pal. It is, yeah. Let's uh, let's wrap things up by just quickly discussing the weekend's plans then. Sam, what have you got set for this weekend? Uh, so I am going swimming as soon as we finish recording the poddy. Um, I don't know if I've actually got much on other than that. Um, I know there is a bit of a Christmas fair in Morton um, Saturday between 4 and 8. So I will probably be going there. I think Katie's mum and dad has a stall there, so... Uh, we'll probably be nipping there for an hour or so and um, and having a look at the uh, the early Christmas festivities. Uh, I imagine you're a massive fucking har- humbug, bar humbug. I was going to say har bumbug then. <laughs> bar humbug. <laughs> massive har- uh, bar humbug. Do it again. <laughs> I've done it again. When it comes to Christmas, Aggie, and being a bit uh, a bit earlier than usual, what, what do you reckon? Are you, are you a fucker for it? Uh, I am usually, yeah, but it's actually quite the contrary this time around because this weekend I'm going Christmas shopping to get it all done and out of the way. Because... I mean, that, that's good. That's just prepared, though, isn't it? I won't say that's that's a Christmas festivity. Like, See, so get, tell me, right? I want, I want, I want your your reaction. I want your instant reaction to this scenario right now. So mm-hmm. let's say, uh, 
let's fast forward. Let's rewind the week back. So it's Monday. It's Monday. Uh, <laughs> you're in. You're in the office. Um, yeah. you, you come back home, and Helena has decked out the place. She's put the Christmas tree up. She's gone tinsel mad. She's she's put decks up early uh, on the what date was Monday, the thirteenth of November. What are you doing and what are you saying? I'm rioting. First of all, <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm completely against decorating in November. We have a routine that we go through, like you know, the, we we actually don't routine. decorate until. No, honestly, honestly, I've got it yes, all set. That... That. Can you see? Can you see? We have to follow this step by step. We don't decorate until the 13th of December. Um, oh, oh, you do you, you do twelve days so Christmas. Traditional, <laughs> Honest to God. <laughs> you stick to you, you are the only person in my, you are the only person in my in my life out of all my friends, all my family, every single person I know, you're the only one no. that sticks to the 12 days of Christmas. It's unbelievable. Now the 30 uh yeah, we do it on the 13th oh, of December. We will order a takeaway, we will decorate, and we will watch the single greatest film, uh, Christmas film, Ooh. in my opinion, of all time, which will be controversial. Nope, nobody's gonna agree with it. It is love actually. We're gonna sit and watch that, and as soon as that that's done. I will then start to look Hello, forward lads. to Christmas. <laughs> I will then start to look forward to Christmas. Helena, however, for the past two weeks, has been sat watching Christmas films. And last night, I was already set to go to bed, go to sleep, and she put a Christmas film on. I'm not a fan of it at all, but she gets on with it and I don't have to watch what it. Was so it's it? absolutely I, I, what fine. What was it? Bring me back. Bring um, me back. What was it? I honestly can't remember what it is, mate. I'm going to oh, be honest. I can't remember what it was called. I went to oh, sleep same. instead. I, I won't watch Christmas films at this time. There's um, one that she watches with Phoebe called like the Cinderella something or other that they watch. It's I don't Cinderella know. Cinderella story. Something like that. Yeah. It's set around Christmas anyway, but no, it's not for me that, um, yeah. But this you, weekend, you, you're both but, wrong anyway. It's uh, it's Home Alone 2, by the way, best Christmas film ever. Lost in so. New York. Maybe so. But yeah, this weekend we're going Christmas shopping because Ellen has now started working uh, nights and this is the last weekend she's got off before Christmas. So we're going to take, make the best of it. And on Saturday, go and spend the day in town. Um, on Sunday, I'm going to go out for a bike ride, weather permitting, and then she'll get ready to watch Red Zone and watch us lose to the Rams for the second time this season. Oh, mate, not even get me started on that. We we oh, lost God. to Steelers, Steelers, didn't we, at weekend? And uh, we've got Chargers coming up this uh, this Sunday, so <laughs> I've got no operas whatsoever. The one thing I am doing is is watching the uh, the health closely of um, Keenan Allen, who obviously has is, is been questionable all, all week, and I think if he's me fit, too. If he, me too. Yeah, if, he, if he is fit, he's going to tear us a new arsehole. So, me yeah. too. I'm praying he's fit for fantasy purposes. I'm fucking open and praying. Same, same. Oh, he ruined I'm, me I'm, last week. Yeah, I'm praying. But anyway. Kempi, what, what are you doing, you, mate? Uh, to my, this, mate, it's Friday today for me, by the way. What's up? Oh, you bastard. Nice. You bastard. I've got, I've got tomorrow off. I'm going into Sheffield with my lovely partner because she is getting, she's graduating tomorrow. Hey, congratulations, Blandy. Con- congratulations, Bland, for your graduation ceremony for her master's degree. Uh, so yeah, we're going into Sheffield tomorrow. Um, we're going to go for a bit of a walk round, and I might do a bit of Christmas shopping myself. Aggie, you've inspired me. Uh, and then uh, it'll be a Wendy's, I reckon, and then nice. over to uh, to Ponds Forge for uh, for the graduation ceremony. Saturday, I am watching Dronfield Town. I think international break. So as and when I can on international breaks, when I'm not at Bramall Lane or somewhere over the country watching Sheffield United get pummeled. Uh, I do like to go to Dronfield Town and watch some NCL uh, First Division action. So hopefully we'll get a bit of that on Saturday afternoon. And then Sunday, I think my sister, my brother-in-law and my nephew are coming round for a bit of dinner 
um, and just to assist with some DIY things that need doing around the house that I'm absolutely not capable of doing myself. <laughs> no, so, I'm exactly yeah, the same. Quite a productive and uh, potentially enjoyable weekend. You know what? I'm absolutely fuming with myself at the beginning of the episode when uh, Aggie asked us what uh, what highlight at week. I cannot believe I didn't say Popeyes at Meadowall because that was by Ooh. far that that five aside. I love five aside, but the look, Popeyes fucking hell tried it for the first time. The chicken is the greatest chicken. It just it just reminded me then when you said you're going around Sheffield and having something to eat. It reminded me of Meadowall then. Yeah, yeah what yeah, a yeah. what a place! You need to try that, boys. When you when you be a yeah. camp. I, I absolutely will. Obviously, we were going to go a couple of weeks ago, weren't we? But then I got urgently called away, which in the end was was fine, which is good to touch wood. But uh, yeah, hopefully in the next few days and weeks, we can uh, we can give Popeyes a try because I've heard nothing but good things from everybody. Same. That's it then, boys. Uh, enjoy your weekends. And we're back next week for episode 78 with the return of skin. Enjoy Have your day. night.